Hello and welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast, a place where we share stories on how love can transform negative emotions and pain into strength. We talk about all things related to love, positivity, and kindness. And I am your host, Corinne Kamara. Hi, welcome to episode 28, From Chronic Back Pain to Freedom. Today, we are speaking with Nicole Sachs. She is a speaker, writer, podcaster, and psychotherapist who has dedicated her work and her practice to the treatment of emotional and physical chronic pain, symptoms, syndromes, and conditions. She is the author of the book, The Meaning of Truth, and the online courses, Freedom from Chronic Pain, and freedom from an anxious life. Her brand, The Cure for Chronic Pain, includes a website, a podcast, and a YouTube channel. Nicole's personal experience, as well as her work with thousands of people around the world, has shaped and evolved her theories, which serve to teach those suffering how to heal themselves completely with no medication or surgery. In today's episode, Nicole shares her powerful story and how she overcame her chronic back pain, which has led her down the path of the mind-body connection. And now she helps people do the same. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, welcome to the Infinite Love Show. It is so great to have you, Nicole. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. So on the Infinite Love show, we talk about how you move emotional pain into transformation. And I know that you work a lot with chronic pain. So I'd love to hear your story or what your love lesson was on your journey of chronic pain. Absolutely. So I think it was probably the biggest love lesson of my life, to be honest with you, because um, it started getting me in touch with myself. And I always say when I work with people, the greatest love affair we have is with ourselves. You know, if you can't learn that relationship, it's really, really hard to forge other love relationships. So um, when I was 19, I was, um, I had an acute pain incident, which people would probably understand is that my back went out. I had no ability to walk or to function. And I had to actually leave college. I was brought home from college by my parents and I was diagnosed upon having all the tests with um, something called acute degenerative spondylolisthesis, which is a condition of the lower spine. Um, It is an an abnormality that's found on MRI and X-ray, but I later learned had nothing to do with my pain, which is a long story. But um, essentially it stopped me in my tracks, you know? And I think a lot of life lessons start like that in things we wouldn't have asked for. It stopped me in my tracks and I had to, I had to take stock of what was going on in my life. And at the time I was told that I would never travel or play sports or um, live a normal um, unencumbered life. And I was also told at the age of 19, it would be unlikely that I would ever, ever have biological children. So it was pretty serious diagnosis at the time. And, um, and so it's a very long story, but in the by and by, I came to understand that there was more to the body um, than is obvious. And there was more to medicine than Western 
medicine, that there was something called the mind-body connection. And that even though we experience physical pain and symptoms and syndromes and diagnoses, we experience them in our body. And the pain is what I like to say, capital R real. It, there's nothing about your pain that you're making it up or it's in your head. Certainly I was literally debilitated. Um, there's more than one way that the body um, expresses pain. There's more than one origin, if you will, for the pain. And so through my journey of mind-body medicine, I did come to understand that even though I have an abnormality in my spine, it's what's considered in the world of mind-body medicine to be a normal abnormality, which means that um, we just all look different on the outside and we all have our unique beauty and we all look different on the inside and bulging discs, you know, don't cause pain and spondylolisthesis doesn't cause pain. And I've been you know, in practice now for over 20 years, guiding people through this work. So it's been um, proven time and time and time again that that is true. And so I, um, I, I worked through that. And, and like I said, the work that I have discovered through this process that I teach called Journal Speak is um, a way to find your way back to yourself. And I feel like if there's anything that is infinite love, it's that. That is so powerful and i absolutely 100 percent agree it's that mind body connection is everything so tell me a little bit more about journal speak like how do you incorporate that into your practice so essentially um the way i finally freed myself from my chronic pain which was a journey and i always tell people recovery is not a straight line it will go up and down and all over the place and you will feel hopeful and then you'll feel distraught and it's just about not giving up on yourself and continuing to walk the path. But I discovered journal speak when I was in the midst of the worst of my chronic pain. And basically, um, I had already had two children and exercised till the day they were born. And I was completely convinced that I was fine. I had followed the work of Dr. John Sarno. Have you ever heard of Sarno? No. Okay. So that's this, he, he's the doctor. So Dr. John Sarno, was an attending physician for 50 years, 50 plus years at the Rusk Center for Rehabilitation at, ooh, sorry, my phone went off my ear. Um, the Rusk Center for Rehabilitation um, at NYU Medical Center. And he was the pioneer of mind-body medicine in the medical world. So I'm not a medical doctor, I'm a mind-body psychotherapist, but I learned originally by being his patient that the, the brain and the nervous system view our repressed emotions and our stored trauma as more dangerous predator than our physical pain. And that is something that you gotta kind of sit with and marinate in for a minute because it's, yeah. it's a bit of a hard one to understand that why would back pain and migraines and fibromyalgia and pelvic pain and all the things that we suffer with, why would they be safe? Why would that be a position of safety and equilibrium for the brain and the nervous system? And when you understand mind-body theory, which I began learning through Dr. Sarno and through my own journey of chronic pain, I understood it to be that um, when the body does not feel that it can express itself emotionally, if it, can, if it cannot deal with the toxicity of our repressed emotional world, because that world feels impossible to handle. So if you say, you know, I hate my marriage, or I can't stand my job, or I'm never going to be okay, or I can't stand parenting, or all the things that people naturally feel. If you can't say it, because saying it feels like too dangerous to you, and I don't mean saying it to your husband or your wife or your kids or your boss, I'm saying say it to yourself. If you can't bring yourself to do that, or if you don't know the necessity to bring yourself to do that, what happens is 
the brain and the nervous system goes into a sustained state of fight or flight. It's basically looking to save your life. Something has triggered, a predator has come, just like a woolly mammoth might be you know, stalking you. And you have now decided, I am in such danger. You decided unconsciously that the brain and the nervous system will divert you, will distract you from that reality by giving you something that you can handle. That's why we get these chronic conditions because although they're miserable and although they keep us stuck in so many ways, I like to call them safe in the unsafest way. That you know, you might think having a migraine disorder is the worst and it's ruining your life, but from the prospect of your brain and your nervous system, from their perspective rather, you're laying in bed, you're resting. You know, you're away from the dangers of the modern world, your mother-in-law who makes you feel bad and your boss who just insulted you and your kid who says, I hate you, mommy. Those people are no longer bothering you and you're safe. And, and you know, that's sort of, um, when you kind of think about it that way, it is a little bit logical. And, and so, um, so what Journal Speak does is it's a program I developed in the worst of my chronic pain that saved my life, that helps people understand how to bring their repressed emotions to the surface not for anyone else, just for yourself. Once the brain and the nervous system realize that these repressed emotions as they rise are not going to kill you, once they realize that they are actually not a greater predator, the pain signals simply stop firing. It is the most remarkable thing to witness. I've been doing this for over 20 years, over 25 if you count my own body, and it is stunning time and time and time again. I get emails from all over the world from people who are like, you're never gonna believe this, which is always the first line. And I'm like, <laughs> try me, <laughs> try me. I am gonna believe this. Um, you know, I had a migraine disorder for 10 years. I was on disability. I had fibromyalgia. I haven't left my bed for a year. I mean, really extreme things. I did your work. I felt the feelings. I cried and I screamed and I sobbed and I, you know, did whatever I needed to do. And I'm back to work full time. I just had a baby. I found a partner. I, 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 like all these things. And it's like, wow, um, because the mind is so powerful and, um, and, and the mind body connection has almost everything to do with the way you feel. I love that. And so how do you address, cause it sounds like people have to own their emotions. They start to have to take full responsibility for how they're feeling and then taking an action to shift how they want to feel. So how do you work with people that don't want to do that, that are in a victim state and then are using their illness as a place of like, this is a place where people can love me. They're using it as like a right. shield of, of a way of being in the world. Excellent question. Well, first of all, speak the fact that you, your podcast is around love. Um, the first thing I do is bring love and connection to that space. Mm -hmm. If you are in the victim stance, it's because you have been really hurt. It is because you are really struggling. I do not shame anyone for holding on to their pain. Mm -hmm. We need it as long as we need it. Mm -hmm. But I do think that um, it's important for each person to be empowered to wake up when and if they choose. So back before COVID, when I used to be able to lecture to halls of many hundreds of people, I would look out into the audience and I would say, I only have one question for you as we begin our time together. And you're going to have to breathe through this question because it might sound insulting, but I want you to understand it's the only question you need to answer. And the question is, how long would you like to suffer? And it really can wake people up because each of us has power, way more power than we realize over our own suffering and how long we will suffer. But that kind of victim stance that you're talking about, 
can keep us from realizing our own power. So I invite people with a lot of empathy and a lot of love to step out of it should they choose. Yeah, it's um, it's remarkable, even for myself being in that victim mode for so many years and stepping out of it and working on stepping out of it. It takes a, it takes work and it takes a commitment to yourself to yes. want to shift and to believe that you can. Mm-hmm. And do you work with people individually or do you do more coaching or as a group? I did for years. So I was in private practice for many years. And about two years ago, I closed my private practice because I realized, first of all, I have five children, so I'm raising no, kids. Wait, I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? You have how <laughs> many know, kids? I, <laughs> I gave birth to three. I have two stepkids. So my wife and I raised kids. Um, right, we, we got together when they were between the ages of two and seven. Yeah, and now yeah. they're between the ages of 13 and 18. So we have been raising them um, together for over 10 years. And um, it's a big, big, happy family, a lot of activity. And so um, I had to decide um, how I could best utilize my time. So I no longer do private work. What I do is I do retreats. So um, when COVID um, comes, I will be doing lots of in-person retreats. I have actually one scheduled for this summer. Um, I do virtual retreats now, which I feel grateful if there's anything I've gotten from this year of quarantine and Uh, social distancing is that I got confident that I could bring my work through a virtual platform and it's worked so well. Um, And then people just get a lot out of my um, online courses. So I've created online courses, one for chronic pain and one for chronic anxiety um, that specifically target my work and teach people how to do it. So I, that's how I bring my work these days. And my hope in the future is to bring it everywhere in the global community, because everyone needs to know this work is an option. Not everyone's going to pick it up. And I get that. Not everyone is ready. But if they know it's an option, at least they have the freedom to empower themselves. Yeah, I agree. It's like, it's nice to know you have options. I feel like a lot of people don't even know that they could figure out pain in a different way that doesn't involve surgery, and it doesn't involve medication. And it's something that they can do themselves. And I love empowering people to start to think that, hey, my health, your health is in your control and that you have the power to shift it. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's get into the infinite love questions. Sure. Um, How do you use love in your work? Everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I believe very strongly that there are two forces in the universe, love and fear. And every single thing that we do, everything, everything is fueled by one or the other. And the way I explain this when I'm teaching is that picture you have two gas tanks inside of you. One is full of love and one is full of fear. You have a choice in every situation where you want to plug your hose into which gas tank. They will both take you far. And that is something that I think people need to understand. I fueled my life by fear for so many years. I got really far but there are tremendous side effects. And that's what people need to understand. Because when you fuel your life with fear, you're tight, you're clenched, your muscles are tight, and everything you do is is laced with self-doubt and outcome dependence and um, panic and anxiety. And so you'll still get far. I mean, like people, I think, live from birth to death with fear sometimes, and they live a life. And I don't judge that. But I feel that love can be an option in every single situation. And one really easy way I explain it is that people who are in pain oftentimes want to get a therapeutic massage. And they come to me and they say, Nicole, you focus on the mind-body connection. You focus on looking at the psychological in order to help us heal 
is it okay for me to get a therapeutic massage for my aching back? And I always say, yes, but here's the thing. You have to go into that massage with love and not with fear. So the difference is <clears throat> if you were going with fear, you would make the appointment and you'd say, oh my God, oh my God, this has got to help me. Oh my goodness, I have that work trip I need to take or my kid has that play, I've got to get to it. If I don't show up for this, this and this, I'm going to get fired or I'm going to get hated. This will work, it must work. You're going to go in there and I promise you, you are going to feel more pain that day because you will be so outcome dependent that everything that person touches, you're going to tense up and it's just going to be a bad outcome. And I've seen it happen many times and I've had that happen myself in my own journey. Same exact massage, same exact practitioner. You go in and you say this, listen, I know I'm suffering. It's really hard for me right now. I just need to do something kind for myself. I know I have a lot of obligations. They're making me really stressed out. My hope is let me spend an hour with this person. Let me feel like I'm in it with someone. Let me invite someone's energy into my experience. I'm going to relax and I'm going to do my best to be present. That same massage will have a completely different out outcome on your body. And so I think that love, if we can, you know, and this is tall order, can fuel almost all of our decisions if we pause and if we have perspective, and that makes all the difference. 100%. 100 and million percent. <laughs> 100 and million. <laughs> Infinite. Agree. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting that you say that because it's also – Practitioners that are, are that are very loving make also a big difference too in terms of getting massage. I know I'm as an acupuncturist, you know, people tell me what kind of acupuncturist they should find. And I'm like, you should find one that you have a connection with that is very loving because yes. it is an energy medicine. So any kind of practitioner, I feel like you should find someone that can makes you feel loved and nourished so that energy can also help you heal. Yes, for sure. And the second question is, how does your work, how do you use your work to serve humanity? Wow. Um, well, it's interesting that you say that. So I am, I am big, big, big on social justice, on climate um, care, whatever you would want to call it, on um, understanding that it takes each of our voices in order to rise and in order to raise the consciousness of the planet. So I feel like everything I do speaks to your question because do you know how many people who might be the people of tomorrow when it comes to the climate or of racial justice or of understanding that we have to heal as a collective do you know how many of those people are sitting in bed with the back pain or migraine or um, fibromyalgia or pelvic pain or irritable bowel disease or any of the things that are plaguing our society our activists out there are suffering our good, our good, loving, big-hearted people that are looking to raise us up are suffering. So I just seek to speak to each person and say that you are worth it and your voice can be heard if you're no longer in the cage of your own pain. You know, because we all know that um, without our health, we have nothing, mm -hmm. right? So you and I are having this lovely conversation today, but if either of us was down and out in terms of pain, we would have to cancel. That's what happens. You can't function. You can't function without your basic health. And so I really seek to start there with people. So then they, whomever they are, can go and take up whatever cause they take up. And that's what changes the world. I love that. And then a side question, do you find that, do you work with empaths and do you find that they, they suffer more from chronic pain? Because I have a lot of empaths. I'm an empath and I have a lot of empaths in my practice. And I've noticed that a lot of the empaths that I've come encountered 
contact with have a lot of physical pain. And I think it's because they haven't figured out a way to deal with the emotions that they're absorbing from others, but also dealing with their own emotions. Absolutely. In fact, it's funny that you ask because we're recording this on a Thursday and tomorrow, my, my podcast drops every Friday. It's on emotional boundaries, specifically around people who are empaths and oh, wow. people who are highly sensitive because, you know, first of all, boundaries are everything and they're so important. But if you're, an, if you're an emotionally connected person like I am, and you worry not only about global concerns, but also about the concerns of your loved ones, it's key to understand how to draw a boundary within yourself between what's mine and what somebody else's. And so that is definitely something I focus on. Nice. Yeah. Because I feel like empaths and highly sensitive people need to learn how to deal with their emotions because we often don't get taught when we're little. I mean, most of the time, our parents- None of this is taught. Yeah. (laughs) Our parents are like, okay, you're sensitive, get over it. And it's not until you're older that you're like, what is happening? I was was, was told when I was 25 that I was an empath and I was like, what's that? And I had to look it up and it was just like this whole like, oh my God, then this whole world open. So I'm always wanting, I'm so glad that you're dropping that episode because I feel like highly sensitive people need support as much as possible. Of course, yeah. Okay, so what does it mean to you to be a positive force of goodness in the world? I think that um, I feel very strongly that you have to watch what people do, not just what they say. And so I just keep showing up. You know, I, I think that people are very tempted to not show up for themselves because it's exhausting. And another thing that I do that I think is important, that's important to me is I show up as myself. I say I'm exhausted. I say this is hard for me. I say that I struggle with parenting or with relationships or with my upbringing and my childhood triggers. And I say I've had trauma too, because I think that the most important thing for connection is understanding that people aren't alone. So I, I think but most much of my effort is to help people understand that you're not alone. Whatever you think that you are unique about, you're probably wrong. We, are, we have such shared humanity, no matter who you are, when we suffer, we suffer the same. When we experience absolute joy, we experience it the same. And so making that connection between people is, is really important to me. I'm so glad that you said that because I feel like when you're in pain and when you're suffering, almost all of us think that we're alone and that we're unique in this experience. And then it's so refreshing to hear someone else has something similar and it's like, oh, okay, I'm not alone. But it's interesting how pain really puts you into this like dark hole where you're like, no one is, I'm the only one that's going through this. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. What do you love most about your life? Whoa, what do I love most about my life? Um, Well, if we're gonna talk about my actual, just like, my physical life. I love being a mom. I do. I love it. It's so freaking hard. It rips me apart every day. And I honor it because it's so human. It's I I love my kids really big. I'm sure everybody does. But I mean, my kids and I are just like, we're really um, in it together. And I also love to really pause and try to be conscious when I parent my kids and show up where they are. I'm very proud of the fact that I have five children that when they get a stomach ache or a headache or their wrist hurts or their shoulder hurts, their first thing is not panic and I need to go to a doctor. They come to me and they go, mom, I'm feeling a lot. Can you help me? Can you help me figure out what's going on here? Why am I suffering? I'm creating a sort of generation zero of these people that like think in terms of a mind body way and they share it with their friends. And it's really, really exciting. 
so I guess, yeah, you know, I just, um, I want to spread the message of this work. I have a professional life and I have a personal life and I feel like I live both of them almost completely the same. Mm -hmm. Um, just with the intention of operating with love of making mistakes and being okay with that and of showing up consistently to be a presence for people, for both my kids and people who follow my work around the world, because, you know, I really believe in change. I really do. I, I, I am annoyingly hopeful. Every time I say, Oh God, who can be hopeful for one more second? I am. I am. <laughs> and and then I'm like annoyed by myself because I'm like, Jesus, it's so exhausting to be that hopeful. But I I really am. And I I want to see change. I want to see change in um in the way we see each other, in the way we respect and in the way we honor each other, in people's dignity. And I want to see change in um the way we view our bodies and the way we can empower ourselves. Yeah, that's great. How do you feel you receive love? Um, I, I'm much better at it than I used to be. <laughs> I, I used to be like, oh, I'm okay. Don't worry about me. You know, people wanted to move toward me. I think that was just kind of a defensive posture from childhood because I had a, I was raised by an incredibly critical father. Really, really like you're only a good girl if you get an A and I'm looking for you to show up like this. So pay attention and show up like this. And so love felt very conditional for me in that sense. And I think as I've gotten older and I've done a lot of my own work, I'm able to receive love in a, in a much more fluid fashion. And, um, and I love it. I love love. I'm all about it. Nice. And when do you feel the most love? I think I feel the most love when people are telling the truth and I'm telling the truth. Mm. When I sit in a conversation with someone and I say, this is how I really am. And they're like, wow. Well, this is how I really am, and I'm like, wow, that's intense. You know, <laughs> um, I I really love that, and I also have to say, I feel such tremendous love when I'm loving my dog, and <laughs> I I just I don't anyone who follows my work knows Blue Dog. I I involve him in a lot of things, and he's just like, you know, some dogs are dogs, and some dogs are people. Mm -hmm. Like this is an animal where I'm looking. I always look at him. I go, who's in there? <laughs> in there? I know you're not just a dog, so don't mess with me. Um, so I do, I feel a lot of love when I'm with him. Oh, that's cute. And where has love created a miracle in your life? Oh my goodness, everywhere. Um, where has love created a miracle in my life? I would have to say with this work, because um, when I first was diagnosed, I was all fueled by fear. 100%. I believed every doctor I lamented and bemoaned and feared and dreaded my life. And when I awakened to the mind-body connection and to understanding the power that we have to heal ourselves, I got the invitation at that point to fuel my life with love. Um, it didn't come easy. It didn't come naturally. It took work. It took intention. But as I did it and as I moved through the path, um, I get to do that really often now. And to me, that is a flipping miracle. If you look at my MRI, um, every doctor that I've ever met um, looks at my MRI and goes pale, like medical orthopedists. Um, they look at my MRI because it's so messed up. I have a um, an entire vertebrae that shattered and replaced with scar tissue. You can feel it physically where my where, where it dips in, where I don't have a vertebrae, where it's all fused and where I have um, stress fractures above and below it. Um, it's just a gnarly looking uh, film. And I have had zero chronic back pain since I did the mind body work uh, probably over 15 years ago. 
and I have done everything that I was told I could never do. I can do, I literally, I mean, I bike 20 miles a day. I can carry my daughter's ridiculously overpacked suitcases up three flights of stairs. Like I'm, nothing's wrong with me. It's just a normal abnormality. It's probably, I was probably born like that. You know, I'm, I'm not very flexible physically. So, I mean, there are things that like probably are a reason for it, but I am literally a walking miracle when it comes to the medical model. And that all started with love. That is amazing. It's almost like a mind love connection. It is. You know, because sure. it's like when we say body, it feels like, okay, like my, my, my limbs, my arms, my, you know, it just, but it's really connecting your mind to your heart and having your heart guide your life in 100%. that way. Yeah. It's like, it's amazing. Cause there's so, I love the fact that doctors look at you like confused. They do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, how are you walking? You're like, yeah. I was told I wouldn't live to 40 without spinal fusion surgery and I'm 48 and I've never had a surgery or an injection or anything in my back. Mm -hmm. Amazing. I mean, that's a story that is so powerful. I mean, I have so many people that so many people must be like blown away and inspired by that story because I feel like it's something that needs to be shared because I think that most people just believe doctors and I've yeah. always my mom's kind of a hypochondriac so she took me to the doctor a lot but then she would take me to the doctor and then she'd be like okay well whatever he said we'll still we're still going to do a natural remedy so i was okay. always like why don't we just skip the doctor like we're just <laughs> but she likes what to know doing? she just like she liked to know the diagnosis and right. so i just That's think fair. it's she fair she's scared she's a mom, yeah, she's a I, mom. I get it I totally get it too, but I would always shake my head and be like, we could have just resolved this at home. But the the whole thing is, is like having that mindset of going to a doctor, but still knowing, oh, I can do something else. Right. And Absolutely. Yeah. I always tell my clients that go to the doctor, get your diagnosis, but know that there's multiple ways of healing and it's just not just this one way. Absolutely. And I want to add, just because I always want to be clear about this, I am not, you know, a witch brewing potions in my kitchen. Like when my kids have strep throat, they get an antibiotic. You know, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not against the medical model. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. my, my dog blew out his ACL and he had reconstructive surgery on his knee and they put a plate in his knee and he's doing great. I think I believe in medical science. I just believe that if you are told you have a chronic condition, you're never going to get better. All you can do is manage it. If you've tried um, a medication or an injection, God forbid, a surgery or whatever, there are other options. Like it's, it's about knowing that there are other options and also knowing that opioids and benzodiazepines are killing our society with addiction. And I, I, you know, I am not against antidepressants. I believe that they can help people get to the place where they need to do the work if they're significantly anxious or depressed. But I am absolutely against any opioid medication and any benzodiazepines because I watch people spend two, three years of their journey just getting off of these things before they can even do any of the real work. And so, um, you know, there's a balance. There's a balance. I agree. Yeah. And it's just hard to get off addiction once you're in it. Yeah. It's really hard to get out of it. I think every time that I've been in pain and from like getting my tooth pulled or something and they want to give me pain meds, I just refuse because I'm just so nervous that I would get hooked because I do have an addictive yeah. mind. Yes. Well, I'm also in recovery. So I'm six and a half, a little over six years sober from everything because I used to drink. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I have an absolute appreciation for the whole spectrum of it, but I just want to save people before they have to go that route. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. Well, this has been wonderful. Like I just love the work that you're doing and I want to shout it on the rooftops because I think it's so important for people to understand the mind-body connection and being able to work out their emotions and have support. But it really feels like this is such a great way to help people empower themselves to move past their emotional pain and bring them to the path of their heart and get them to be their authentic selves. I mean, getting learning about yourself, I feel like is the best journey. Just learning how you are in the world really makes you an embodied and empowered person. So I commend you for your work. I think it's really beautiful. Thank you so much. <laughs> so how can people find you and what's the best way to contact you? I know you have your own podcast. Yes. So, um, okay. So the first thing I'll say is my website is called the cure for chronic and I have everything linked there on the resources tab. So if you're looking to find my podcast or find my Instagram page where I, I spend a lot of energy on Instagram because that is the place where I'm using that platform to spread a lot of my message and it's also completely free. So I would encourage people to follow me there at Nicole Sachs, LCSW. Um, but everything is linked to my, um, my website. And if you want to come to one of my retreats, I have a virtual retreat at the end of May, the 21st through the 23rd, which is all on Zoom. It is remarkably powerful, even though it's virtual. I was actually, it's our third one this year. I was actually surprised. I bring all of my guest instructors that usually travel with me and we put on this weekend and it's incredible and it's so cohesive and it helps people really deeply understand they're not alone. So there's that. I'll be teaching at the Omega Institute in person, hopefully, fingers crossed, um, August 1st through the 6th, and that's in upstate New York, and those tickets are on sale now, um, but just if, um, um, via phone, because the Omega website won't be up till March, so if people want to contact, I don't have the number handy, but um, it's, on my, it's on my website, um, and I have two online courses, uh, Freedom from Chronic Pain and Freedom from an Anxious Life. You can get them at thecureforchronicpain.com, along with original meditations. And um, some of the art that I've created for Instagram is also um, available on my website with uh, for wallpaper, for phone wallpaper. So people have the affirmations and the stuff that they need to remember. And um, yeah, and my podcast is, is um, we just hit well over a million downloads in the past wow, month. Wow, so that's amazing. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's really um, building in, um, in terms of finding more people around the world, which is really great because the podcast is a place where I really put a lot of effort. Every other week is an individual podcast. And then every other week, I either interview someone who's successfully done my work, or I do something called Real Time Heal, which is a series where as a therapist, I get someone on there that's applied for the um, session. It's totally cold. I know nothing about them. They share their story. And we do that session right there in, on the podcast live. And that stuff is powerful. Um, and it always brings us to places we never expected. So it's pretty awesome. That is, that's great. That sounds really interesting. Wonderful. Well, this has been a, an amazing, magical time. I love speaking with you, Nicole. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, I'm sending you lots of love. Thank you so much. Yes. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and tune in on Tuesdays for new episodes. For more information about me, please follow me on Instagram at Corinne J. Camara and my website, CorinneCamara.com. Sending you lots of infinite love.